0: As medical device makers are building network connectivity and intelligence into their products, they're adding new vulnerabilities and risk as well. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has just issued draft guidance for post-market management of cybersecurity of medical devices. It follows previous guidance on pre-market submissions for management of cybersecurity in medical devices. We spoke to Russell Jones, partner with Deloitte & Touche cyber risk leader for the firm's State of California practice and co-leader of the firm's medical device safety and security practice about the FDA's actions, how these connected devices can be exploited by hackers, and what medical device makers can learn from industries that have already faced these issues. Russell, thanks for joining us having you today. We're going to talk about new cybersecurity draft guidance for medical devices issued by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. But before we do that, I thought we could start with the broader issue itself. We're in this age of the Internet of Things, the idea that intelligence and connectivity being built into everything. This is true for medical devices, too. What's happened to medical devices in this regard, and, and what's the benefits of having devices networked?
1: Well, I, you know, I think like anything, technology uh, is a very useful tool to help us achieve various objectives in the healthcare space. As more baby boomers uh, retire, uh, more of our population is becoming older, sicker. Um, I think the whole idea of the Affordable Care Act and, and the High Tech Act is to modernize the healthcare system. Right? Uh, In terms of uh, from paper-based records, uh, to electronic health records that could be shared. And then also to drive costs out of the system, have, have more and more people are doing less and less inpatient stays and more outpatient stays, more at their home, you know, um, in, in terms of, you know, certain medical conditions or just living out the last years of their life. And as a result of that, it means for uh, caregivers and physicians, um, you know, they need to be able to remotely get to those people to monitor their condition, and that's why I think we're seeing this this movement over the last decade, which now it's accelerating over the last few years. To medical devices becoming network connected, um, being able to reach out and, and touch a patient over the internet and monitor. Um, their condition and be able to even provide um, feedback to the medical device uh, based on the the, the changing condition.
0: Well, with these benefits come risk. Are are people able to hack medical devices? Is the information they gather potentially vulnerable? Can someone cause them to malfunction or do harm? What are the cybersecurity risks with medical devices? What do we know?
1: Cybersecurity risks are the same with any information technology. I mean, many of these medical devices, there's a a clinical functionality to the device, but then there's an IT aspect to the device um, based on, you know, common components such as off-the-shelf operating systems, firmware, uh, and the like. So from that sense, you know, from the perspective of a hacker, um, a nation state, it just looks like any other piece of IT sitting on a network with an IP address that you can uh, get to. So Uh, my point is, you know, without the right types of controls built into the device, the security controls, it could have the same vulnerabilities as any other IT, uh, a server, a database, uh, you know, ERP system, what have you.
0: I I take it this is not just an abstract discussion, but there have been incidents of both accidental interference with these devices and, and actual intentional interference. What kinds of things have happened that we know about?
1: Actually, if you Google, if you you can find quite a bit of uh, published information out there about um, various types of incident, security incidents that have happened with networked medical devices. Um, and yeah, so I would say, you know, if you Google, you'll you'll find that there have been uh, some well-documented, you know, security incidents, none of which we know of that have actually harmed a patient or injured. But have certainly brought down, uh, systems like, um, you know, the, uh, patient monitoring system in the neonatal unit, you know, completely brought down because of, uh, malware outbreak. Um, you know, you, you name it, you know, you can, you can do the research out there. There's other security research that's also been performed, um, by security researchers. Uh, w- one notable report was by TrapEx is a security research company. And they essentially reproduced certain medical devices, uh, working with uh, some device manufacturers, um, and they put simulated devices on the network at some hospitals. And so hackers got into the devices thinking, you know, it was a real piece of IT, and they were able to actually study uh, over time, you know, the types of attacks. And what they found was there's a specific piece of malware that's been developed and is out there, uh, and certain types of, uh, uh network medical devices. At least that's the, the conclusion of their report. Do,
0: do we know what this malware does?
1: Uh, yeah, essentially it allows you to take control of the device, uh, administrative control, and essentially it's used as a, a pivot point. You know, I, my real goal as the hacker is to get access to the electronic health record system, dump all the medical records, and go sell them, right? I mean, uh, there's a number of studies out there that are saying you can get up to $50 of record on the in the dark web for a medical record versus credit cards now worth about $0.50 cents a card. So follow the money, right? So hypothetical situation, I, I want to get access to a hospital's uh, electronic medical record system, dump the database, go sell the medical records. I'm looking for any way I can to get access to the network, and I just happen to find a vulnerable uh, medical device sitting on the network, and uh, I compromise it, I get access to it, and use it as a launching pad to get further and further into the hospital network until I get to my ultimate goal, which is the electronic medical record system.
0: Well, the FDA previously issued guidance on pre-market submissions for management of cybersecurity and medical devices. What has the FDA done to date in that regard?
1: Well, yeah, well, that's interesting. So I, I literally just walked out of the, the FDA cybersecurity meeting um, here in, at their headquarters right outside of Washington, D.C. And yesterday in the morning, they actually provided some statistics. Uh, I'm not going to try to quote the statistics at this point. But they did provide some data points on how the, the pre-market guidance, um, you know, how effective it's been up to this point, and then what the gaps are. And w- without getting into the specific uh, data points, because I don't want to, I don't want to step on their toes in terms of what they're going to publish. But suffice it to say, it's a huge, huge area of, uh, of improvement. A lot, a lot of manufacturers are not. Getting it in terms of that pre-market guidance in terms of their submissions, their 2 k submissions in PMA. That's what the uh, data points that the FDA shared yesterday morning indicate, which means there's a lot more work to do, uh, to really, uh, from a pre-market perspective for, uh, manufacturers to really embrace that guidance and you start to see it actually in the submissions, you know, tangible evidence that, you know, they are Um, building security in as part of the design uh, of the device. And they are really going through a thorough kind of uh, security risk assessment threat modeling process as part of how they're designing the devices and even coming up with the requirements. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a while before we actually see that um, that guidance has been wholesale embraced across the medical device industry. But let me caveat you know, I, I think I saw a statistic recently that says the majority of medical technology companies, medical device manufacturers in the U.S. are seven people or less. So uh, my point is many of the largest global medical device manufacturers that are well-known, they are embracing the guidance. I mean, this is just based on my personal experience working with some of them. But as an entire industry, I think there's a lot of uh, a long way to go.
0: Well, as you mentioned a moment ago, if if these devices are being used as kind of a a gateway into healthcare system networks, that this is an issue that extends well beyond the the device makers themselves, but healthcare facilities as well. What responsibilities Absolutely. and obligations? And,
1: and and that was a major part of the discussion in the last two days at the. Uh, this uh, workshop that the FDA has held around cybersecurity, security, a collaborative approach to solving this problem.
0: What what responsibilities and obligations are are these healthcare systems seen as having in terms of ensuring the cybersecurity of these devices?
1: Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I think there already is law in the books called HIPAA, the HIPAA security uh, rule and HIPAA privacy rule that uh, have already provided healthcare providers. Uh, the requirements that they should be satisfying anyway, in terms of securing any you know IT component on the network, including a medical device, um, and you know that those rules are pretty clear in terms of the type of controls that uh, should be in place and should be monitored and, and assessed uh, every year to ensure that they're effective. You know, technical controls, administrative controls, physical controls around you know technology that is housing and processing and storing, you know, protected health information, which would include medical devices.
0: One of the the challenges I imagine is knowing when a cybersecurity incident occurs, whether it's theft of information or the failure of a device. Is there a way to tell when this happens and and how does this issue complicate the challenge for device makers?
1: Well, there is a way to tell um, if you, if the organization, whether it's a device manufacturer or a healthcare provider, has a few things in place. You know, one, they're actually capturing logs on uh, different IT systems, logs that will um, capture security-relevant events like a, a failed password, uh, a login attempt, rather, or other activity that would, you know, Kind of uh, alert you to you know activity that's out of bounds or that's not considered normal. That's the first thing you got to have logs that are being generated and captured on your IT systems, including the medical devices, that at least after the fact you can kind of reconstruct what happened. But then the second, more important piece that you need to have in place is the incident response program, and you know it's actually being rehearsed. You're going through uh, tabletop exercises and practice, so you know people actually know how to put it into action, right? You you have maybe what's an incident, your incident response program and a specific plan that's in place would give people the specific procedures and guidance. to The one, you determine whether it's an incident, and then two, if it is, how to triage it, how to get the right people involved, um, what to do with the system that's been compromised so that you don't destroy potentially forensic evidence, and so on and so forth.
0: Uh, as we mentioned, the FDA previously issued pre-market guidance. The FDA has just released draft guidance on postmarket management of cybersecurity of medical devices. What is the FDA concerned about, and what, what is it trying to do?
1: They're r- recognizing the fact that the um, designing security into the device is great, we should be doing that, but there's more that has to be done by the manufacturers subsequent to the device being marketed and then uh, acquired by a healthcare institution and field it. And, and the post-market guidance really lays out there um, this guidance, but they're strongly recommended, you know, uh, things that they want you to do subsequent to the device being uh, sold and, and, and then field it within a hospital. And those, you know, at the highest level, those things really – Come down to looking for manufacturers to continue to monitor the environment and understand are there new types of threats to that particular device? New new threat uh, actors, meaning like you know, new hacker group or nation state that's starting to focus on a certain type of medical device and certain kinds of attacks. You know they want they're recommending the manufacturers monitor for that. They're recommending that the manufacturers have. Uh, a detailed plan and practices in place to deal with that. You know, once they, you know, discover that there's some new vulnerability in their device, and they could discover it through a security researcher or their, the customer, which is the, the hospital themselves becoming aware of the device so they could discover it. Um, you know, the, the FDA is, has recommendations and the post-market guidance on how to address that vulnerability. And, more importantly, uh, I think this was the you know the subject of a lot of discussion at this FDA uh, workshop: reporting requirements that the FDA is tying to existing regulation, uh, the CFR uh, 21 CFR Part 806. And um, so, yeah, I, w- I would say that the post-market guidance is really more concerned about the complete life cycle of a device. Free-market deals with really designing security into the device, post-market deals with everything after you've designed the security, you've built it, you've got it FDA approved, you've sold it to a hospital and they've it. It's, it's a complete life cycle and managing the security risk around a device all the way through that, that life cycle of the device.
0: Well, the FDA calls for collaboration among stakeholders and calls for the creation of a culture of cybersecurity risk management. What, what's the thinking there?
1: Well, the thinking there is, it this is a problem that's very complex and it can't be solved alone just by the manufacturers. It's gotta be a collective effort by the manufacturers, the healthcare providers, uh, other entities such as, uh, the federal government, uh, information sharing analysis organizations, because of the complexity. Uh, great example, uh, a, a, the manufacturer can Design a device, a medical device sits on a network and it can have great security, right? Authentication, audit logs, all this great stuff. However, if the hospital hasn't done the things they're supposed to do under the HIPAA security rule, for example, uh, they have a wide open network, the firewalls aren't effective, uh, there's all, there's just, you know, all kinds of unknown actors in the network, um, Is it the device manufacturer's fault that the device got hacked? Because there's other controls that should be in place around the device, and so that's really the point—the acknowledgement that it's going to take effort and brainpower, and bringing some of the best, you know, security expertise and risk management expertise to the table from all of these different parties to really solve this
0: problem. Oh, we're in a 90-day comment period right now. What if any concerns do you expect the industry to have?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I know, so there's some, there's some definitions in the post-market guidance. I know there was a lot of conversation in the last couple of days around certain definitions that are very specific to the guidance, one being this, this concept of essential clinical performance. It's a key concept because it drives everything else in the guidance, and it drives the risk assessment that you do when you discover a vulnerability. And then, based on the type of risk you have, uncontrolled or controlled, it drives whether you have to uh, report. And so, I know there's going to be probably a lot of debate and a lot of questions coming in during the uh, the 90 day reporting period, uh, comment period rather, around essential clinical performance. Um, And more, they probably, questions are going to be more um, not definition, but maybe some illustrative examples of what they mean around essential clinical performance. But that is a key concept that's very specific to this post-market
0: guidance. Well, this issue is somewhat new to the medical device industry, but other industries have been ahead of them in terms of recognizing and contending with it. What can the medical device industry learn from these other industries, such as utilities?
1: Oh, that's another great question. And, in fact, there was a gentleman that spoke at this, uh, the the, cyber, the FDA cybersecurity workshop today from Department of Homeland Security uh, from the ICS CERT, the Industrial Control System CERT. And that was exactly the point of this talk, to share how this? some of these issues, a lot of these issues have already been solved around industrial control systems. You know, the, the, the type of uh, techniques and models and uh, risk assessment of, uh, approaches, et cetera. So I think there's a lot to be learned from other industries that have solved these problems or parts of it, uh, financial services, uh, industrial control systems, uh, et cetera. And I think the FDA has uh, recognized that and acknowledged it. Because they have already, for the last couple of years, been pointing to the ICS um, industrial control system um, standards or guidance out there for industrial control systems. They have pointed and referenced those documents quite a bit. And then they have a partnership, a formal uh, partnership um, with the Department of Homeland Security, ICS CERT
0: Russell Jones, partner with Deloitte and Touche and cyber risk leader for the state of California practice and co leader of the medical device and safety and security practice. Russell, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week,